Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for Mother's Day, that, Lord, we can come into this place and remember Jesus, the one who created us, the one who made us, the one who shaped us for destiny for such a time as this. And, Father, we all give you thanks, Lord, for our mums, for the wonderful people they are, Lord, for the difference that they've made in our lives. And although they may not be perfect, Lord, they're influential, and we give you thanks and praise for them in Jesus' name. And so, Father, as we gather around your word, I pray it will inspire us, it will motivate us, it will change us and transform us be to be more and more like Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, you know, Mother's Day officially started in about 1908, 1910, and it was introduced um, in the US by the uh, United States president at the time, and it quickly moved around the world. It moved to the Netherlands uh, on, in, in uh, year second, how about that, Rob, the Netherlands, in the second uh, weekend of May, where it's celebrated mostly around the world, and it was there to keep the florists in business. The florists were struggling a bit, and I thought, if we can bring Mother's Day to, to Holland, and we'll keep our florists going, this is going to be good for business, and that's what they did, and it gradually spread around the world. Uh, and there's one place in the world where it's celebrated on a very different date, which is in Israel, and it's celebrated on the 13th of February. So it's very different than the second weekend in May. And the reason it's celebrated in that particular date is in honour of a woman called Henrietta Scolds. And she died on the 13th of February, 1945. She never had any children of her own, but she rescued hundreds and hundreds of children out of Nazi Germany and saved them from going to the consecration camps and so forth. And she is being honoured with being the mother of all these children that she rescued. And so she is honoured every year in Israel on the 13th of February. And isn't it a wonderful thing, um, an inspiration that this woman is, that she touched the lives of these children and is now called the mother of countless children. So a wonderful, wonderful story. Okay. So we're going to look at a number of um, the lives of a number of women, some from the, the scriptures, others um, over history and some in modern times. And I trust you'll be really inspired, but more than inspired, you'll be challenged to make a difference as we learn a little bit about these stories. So this is our text for the evening. Pastor Sheridan used this this morning as well. Um, after leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home. Simon later, Jesus renamed him Peter. At Caesarea Philippi, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Now, I wonder if they asked that because they're all really hungry. Because after Jesus healed her, she got up and cooked for all of them. So I wonder if that's how they were feeling. Now, I can see those heads shaking. No, probably not. Probably because she was really unwell and thought, okay, Jesus is the man. He can heal her and make her well. So please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. What's really, really interesting is uh, they've been at the synagogue that day. Going to church was Jesus as usual. The scriptures say that it's something he did every Sabbath, every weekend, every Sunday, if you like. Jesus was in church, not only by himself, but with friends, Peter and other disciples, Families had gathered together, and they were in this place called Capernaum, and um, 
Here's a picture of the Sea of Galilee. And at the very top, you can see Capernaum there. Can you see that up at the top there? And that's where Jesus was based. And there are many other towns around there that are referenced throughout the book of Luke as we work through it over this year. And um, here's a picture of the actual synagogue that Jesus attended. I've actually been there. It's an amazing place. This is in Capernaum. Now, when Jesus attended the synagogue, it didn't quite look like that because the foundation stones that this one was built on in about the 4th century, the foundation stones that when Jesus went to the synagogue are still there, and you can still see them today. And very close to this synagogue, can you see that octa construction on the left-hand side of the screen there? That's where St. Peter's house was. And about the 2nd or 3rd century BC, they built a church in it, and it had an octagon shape. But there were a number of just these square rooms, and that's where Peter, Peter's house was. That's where Peter's mother-in-law was. And if you go a little bit further, if you go probably another uh, 30 metres, 40 metres up off to the other side of the screen there, you can't see it, is the Sea of Galilee. So it's very, very close. So church is very, very close to the lake. And I got to tell you, this lake is absolutely beautiful. Where Jesus did ministry, it looked really, really good. And when he did lunch after church, it was always very close. And um, yeah, there it is. So isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. So we're going to have a look um, at some of these things. And so I just want to go back to the, the scripture and just point out a couple of things. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home. We found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a fever. Please heal her. Everyone begged. Standing at his, her bedside. It's very interesting when Jesus is dealing with a sick person, in a number of cases in the, in the Gospels, he just puts a hand on them and says, be healed. Be healed. This particular time, he's, he rebuked the fever. So there's something different happening on here than somebody just having a bit of a cough or a cold or being unwell. There's a spiritual oppression on Simon's mother-in-law and Jesus is going to deal with it. And the way he deals with it, he rebukes the fever. He rebukes that spiritual force that's causing her sickness and everything that's not of God has to bow the knee at the name of Jesus. And instantly Jesus exercises his authority what happens? That demonic presence that is causing her sickness leaves. The Greek word for rebuke is the same word that when Jesus rebukes the, the storm. Remember that? When there's the storm on the, on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus rebuked the storm and the waves and the wind just all calmed down. It's exactly the same word. It's very, very interesting. So Jesus is exercising spiritual authority. And what I find really interesting in this scripture, here's Peter walking close to Jesus. But have you ever noticed this in your own family? There can be other family members around you that get impacted with things, spiritual things, that try and encroach on the health of your family. It may not be your health, but it's somebody in your family that's been impacted or affected by some sort of demonic uh, demonic. Um, oppression. And so it's a very interesting phenomenon. And Jesus is highlighting it here by saying, in families, great to draw, Peter, great, that's drawing close to God. I want to show you something. Spiritual forces are out to undermine the work of you and me as we champion the good news for Jesus. And that can affect 
family members, it can affect our businesses, it can affect our areas of influence. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be really smart about this, be on the front foot and have a spiritual strategy for applying protection around all your areas of influence, family members and so forth. Let me share this story with you. Years and years ago, we were running a life group. They were called life groups, not activate groups, and all, the, all those years ago. Who can remember those years when they were called life groups? Sometimes they were even called home groups, and the very first time, I think they were called cell groups. So all these different names, but today they're activate groups, Pastor Jen, and you'll be very pleased at that. So <clears throat> we were running a home group or a life group, and... This whole thing about spiritual protection came up, praying for protection and seeing God's hand protect us. And I remember one night, um, a gentleman who was coming to our group, new Christian, parked his car outside our street. Our street was quiet, it didn't have many cars going up it. But when he came out to get out of his car, somebody had driven into the side of his car and made a huge mess on it. And I thought... Wow, we pray for protection around our boundary. Jesus is highlighting to me, pray it not only around your boundary, but outside of it, that God protects it. So I want to encourage you, pray for God's protection around yourself, around your family, around your possessions, that no demonic thing can have any entry or oppression in there. And if there are struggles, Jesus says, get up and rebuke it. And this is what happens. This is wonderful, isn't it? Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. She got up and she served. If Jesus was observing that, he might say, get up and make a difference. Get up and make a difference. And so we're going to look at some Old Testament um, woman who got up and made a difference. And we're going to look at some of the characteristics of their lives. So the first person I want to have a look at is Sarah, Abraham's wife. She got up and made a difference. But how did she make a difference? She made a difference by showing this wonderful virtue called patience. She got up and made a difference by being patient. So Genesis 21, 1 and 2, The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly as he had promised. He became, she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age, 99 years of age. It's a pretty old man, isn't it? This happened as just at just the time God had said it would. She first received this word when she was 64 years old. 25 years later, the promise is realized. Just imagine if she wasn't patient. Patience is a hard thing, isn't it? It is a taxing thing. You know when somebody pulls out in front of you at the traffic lights, you know, you want to honk your horn, you want to sort of do gestures and things, or you're in a queue at McDonald's and the thing's out the door, or at KFC and the drive throughs all the way onto the street, and you just go, I'm going somewhere else, like I'll go try Subway, it's usually pretty good. But here's the thing. Get up and make a difference by being patient is a lesson we learn from Sarah. And Pastor and Sharon and I certainly have been very attuned to this with the Transfield buildings. Seven years. Patience is a key thing that's enabled it to happen. If we weren't patient, I don't think we'd be where we are today. 
Naomi, wonderful woman. Ruth uh, chapter 1 verse 16, but Ruth replied, don't ask uh, me to leave you and turn back. What had happened, Ruth's husband had passed away and her two sons, who Ruth and Opah were married to, the three of these men had died. And Naomi said, I'm going back to Israel. I'm going back to Judah to be with my family. Why don't you go back to Moab where your families come from? And uh, Ruth's sister said, yep, I don't really want to, but I will. But this is what Ruth said. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Do you know why she said that? There's many reasons, but one of the reasons is Naomi expressed kindness to her. Naomi was a kind mother-in-law. And kindness is an amazing thing, isn't it? It's a very attractive quality. When you see it in a person, when a kid can say, my mum is kind, wow. There's a longevity of relationship at a kindness. The woman at Zarephath. 1 Kings 17, 13 to 14. This is the story where um, Elijah meets this woman and asks for some water. She gives it to him. Then he asks for some bread. And she says, I don't have any. All I have is some oil and some flour, enough to make a meal for myself. And then me and my son are going to die. And he says, look, let me come in. And I can tell you, as long as I'm with you, until it rains, your oil will never run out and the flour will never be empty. And here's the thing that we can learn from the woman at Zarephath. She obeyed God. She obeyed him. And that obedience made all the difference for her and her son and for Elijah. Here's an interesting one. Dorcas. How would you like that as your name? Dorcas. It's a bit different, eh? I'm just going to read the scripture to you. She was an incredibly a generous woman. Probably one of the, in the New Testament, one of the most generous women that we read. We don't know if she was a mum or not, but I'm going to read from Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 43. And I want you to really notice Peter's part to play in this story. Now, Peter is the very same guy at the beginning of Luke 4 when it was his mother-in-law that was healed. Now, here's the story about Peter, maybe... 20 years on, we don't know how long on it is, but this is what it says in Acts 9, 32, 43. Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came down to visit the believers in a town of Lydia. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heal you. Didn't rebuke him, he just said, heal you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. Isn't that amazing? He's exercising his authority in Jesus, and he was healed instantly. And the whole population of Lydia and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around, and they turned to the Lord. Verse 36, there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She, I like saying that name. <laughs> I'd imagine my boys would love saying it as well. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say Dorcas? Now turn to them at the other neighbor and say Tabitha. So her Greek name is Dorcas. She, but here's the thing. This is, she's a champion. She was all, always doing 
kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydia. And here, so they sent two men to beg him. So the people begged Jesus to come and heal Peter's mother-in-law. Here's two men coming to Peter and begging him to come to Dorcas's place. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, he took, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. She gave her his hand, and he helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented uh, her to them alive. Isn't that an amazing miracle? The news spread out through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, the tanner of hides. I think it's amazing. Here is Dorcas. She makes a difference by caring for the poor. Sarah, she makes a difference. The woman at Zarephath makes a difference. Peter's mother-in-law makes a difference. This woman, Dorcas, gets up and makes a difference. And so I just want to ask you today, are you prepared to get up and make a difference? Are you prepared to get up and make a difference? Next year, when we're in our next Mother's Day, if I asked you that question, are you prepared to get up and make a difference, what would it look like? What would it look like? I'm going to share with you some stories of more people from more modern days, uh, church history in the last 200 years, that got up and made a difference. And I hope it really encourages you. Here's a woman, Irina Sendler. She was born in 1910, died in 2008. She was a Polish woman who worked um, in, in the Warsaw Social Services Department. And she helped smuggle almost 2,500 Jewish children out of uh, Nazi Germany during the Second World War. She gave herself a code name called Jolana. And she would write out false documents for these children and give them Christian names and say that they were from Christian families or normal German families and get them to other parts around the world. Over two and a half thousand children were saved. She was caught by the Gestapo. She was all set to be uh, executed and somebody came on her behalf and paid a bribe and she was spared. But isn't that amazing? She got up in spite of huge opposition, in spite of a lot of people saying a whole lot of things, and she made a difference for two and a half thousand children. I don't have a picture of this person, but this person's name is Dr. Dana Skillskind. She's a widow with three children, and she's a pediatric surgeon in the University of Chicago and founded this organization called 30 Million Words. 30 million words. Why did she do this? She wants to encourage parents to speak to their babies, 
Because all her research has shown that educating parents on the importance of interacting with their babies makes a huge difference to the outcome of children. The first zero to three years. So she set her life up to make a difference in the lives of young children, babies, boys and girls. Isn't that amazing? We have these lights here today. Um, who knows who invented the light bulb? Good answer. Mike, let's give it up for Muller. That's fantastic. Would you say Thomas Edison made a difference, Muller? Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. His mother was the big reason why he made a difference. His mother, Nancy Edison, she made the difference in his life. Because when he went to school, he really struggled with school. In fact, the teacher said, your son is mentally ill. He shouldn't be here. And his mother said, no, he's not but I'll teach him at school at home, which she did. And he grew up to be one of the world's great inventors. If his mother had never intervened to that way, if she never got up and made a difference in his life, I don't think he would have invented the light bulb. She got up and she made a difference. Isn't that amazing? Here's another one. I love this story. Mary Kay Ash. She was born in 1918, died in 2001. Um, and was 45 years old when she founded uh, this business called Mary Kay Cosmetics. Does anybody know about that? Yeah, Mary Kay Cosmetics in 1963, she founded it. She was one of the most successful sales agents in the company that she previously worked for, but she kept being overlooked and overlooked and overlooked and overlooked. She got so frustrated about it, she said, I'm going to go and start my own business, which she did in 1963. She got up and she made a difference. And here's what happened. Her company today is worth hundreds of billions of dollars. And she set it up. This is what she said. She took those skills with her, these marketing skills, that to, to launch her company. And she worked to give hundreds of thousands of women the opportunity to work as sales consultants on their own time. That was her motivation, to get up and make a difference for other women. Isn't that amazing? There's just many more examples I could share. We're just going to go to a couple more on the slide now. Florence Nightingale, she made a difference in the world of nursing. Presidents, military officials wanted her to work with their military. She not only made a difference for women in nursing, she made a huge difference to men's health. She was inspirational. She authored over 17 books and wrote numerous papers. She got up and she made a difference. Rosa Parks. 1963, she was on a bus and a white man walks into the bus and tells her to stand up and, and give her her seat. And do you know what she says? No. And this is what she prayed. She says this in her autobiography. Lord, I just ask for your strength. Keep me strong. And she says, the Lord told me to say no. That's what I did. And guess what? She got up not out of her seat. She stood up for Jesus. She stood up for the rights of her people and she made a huge difference. Isn't that amazing? Charlotte Moon, many of you won't know her. In 1876, she went to China. The first woman 
uh, first missionary from the Baptist mission in 1876, went to China. She taught Chinese children. She set up missions and was one of the most effective evangelists for the next 40 to 50 years in China. She got up and she made a difference. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say that? Get up and make a difference. Charlotte Moon, she was never married. She never had a child, but she made a difference because she taught hundreds of Chinese children and led many, many Chinese to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Joan of Arc, how about her? She led the French. She asked the, the uh, king if she could lend, lead the army, the French army against the English, which she did, and she won. And then the Pope got really upset with her. She's a Christian woman. She believed in the Lord and she was burnt at the stake for her faith. And when she was burning, she said, I want to hold a crucifix. And she said, I declare my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. She got up. She made a difference. Fanny Crosby. She wrote over 9,000 hymns. She became blind as a young girl because a doctor misdiagnosed and mistreated her. But she would never let that get into the way of getting up and making a difference. Amazing person. I love this lady, Kerry Nation. She didn't like alcohol. <laughs> she looks vicious, eh? She looks rugged. Yeah, I'll tell you why she's holding an axe. She, she was really against gambling and drinking additions. And so she set up an organisation to ban them. And when it wasn't working fast enough and when the government agencies weren't uh, moving quickly enough, she took her axe there and would smash pubs. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she got up and made a real difference. Probably not quite the way you'd expect it to do, but she made a difference. Amy Carmichael. She was a missionary to India, made a huge difference with the children in India. She would um, cover herself with coffee beans so she, to change the colour of her white skin to identify with the children, the people of India. Set up a missions organisation, made a difference. Greta Thunberg, who knows who she is? 15 years of age, last couple of years, still in Parliament, Yugoslavia, and said, we've got to do something about climate change. For 12 months, every week, people just laughed at her. She got no momentum, no feedback. In over 70 countries around the world, politicians are taking a lot of notice of what this young girl, she stood up and made a difference. And here's the thing, if, uh, when she was interviewed, she said, I'm just a small girl at the back, that makes no difference. But she got up and she stood up. Valerie Adams two Olympic gold medals, three Commonwealth gold medals, um, three world championship gold medals. She's got out there and made a difference. Christine Bartlett, many of you may not know her. The last couple of years, she's been fighting in the courts for five years to get wages lifted for those that support those that are in care, and particularly the elderly. For 24 years, she was on a wage, the living wage, of $14.64, and she went to the courts and said, I'm going to make a difference, as it made a huge difference for 55,000 employees in New Zealand that work in this area. Jean Batten, in the 1930s, she broke aviation records. She was one of the most popular 
and well-known people in New Zealand in that decade. Lisa King, who knows what she's famous for? Eat My Lunch. She was in the finalist of the New Zealand 2018 Businesswoman of the Year. And what she did, she said, for every lunch that a person buys, we will donate a lunch for children in schools that can't afford or don't come with, school, with lunch. And I think it was last year, over 100 or 784,000 lunches have been donated to children across schools in New Zealand. She got up and she made a difference. These are inspirational women, aren't they? And then there's you. What an inspiration you are. What potential is within you. Amazing. And every one of you is such potential, such capacity to make a difference. And so I want to encourage you. I don't want to just inspire you today. I want to encourage you to go and seek God how you can make a difference. How can you make a difference? Here's the thing. You're created in the image of God. You have the thumbprint, the DNA of God Himself pumping through you. That is awesome. How many cosmetic companies, how many missions organizations, how many evangelistic organizations, how many eat my lunch organizations are sitting in this room if we get up and do something? If we get up and make a difference. Not only are you to get up and make a difference, you're created to know Him. And the examples of those, not every example I've shared tonight is from a Christian perspective. But the Christian perspectives, this was the focus of all of those women's, was to know Him. To grow in knowing Him. And we're created to serve Him through our giftedness. So here's my challenge. Get out there and make a difference. It is most, one of the most honourable things you can do for your mum and your dad is to get out and make a difference. The first place to make a difference is for them. To go, I'm so pleased you're part of our family. You honour me. You respect me. You're making a difference in my life. Because mum and dads make a huge difference in our lives. So I want to really encourage you, get out there and make a difference. It takes time. It takes struggle. Like Greta Thunberg, for one year, she set out the doors of Parliament. Just standing cold, sitting cold, not being taken notice. And today, 70 countries over the world with millions of people have been influenced. She got out there and made a difference. I see a room of difference makers. I really do. Jesus has empowered us to be different difference makers. Amen?